What does it take to be a successful copywriter? To come up with great ideas and really stand out from the crowd. And as a copywriter, slaving away at your desk, often on your own, how do you make sure that you are that kind of copywriter? Hi, I'm Rob Marsh, one of the founders of the Copywriter Club, and on today's episode of the Copywriter Club podcast, my co-founder, Kira Hug, and I interviewed copywriter and cycle syncing coach, Allie Rector. Allie talked about what makes a good copywriter, and it has to do with ego. She also talked about what makes good copywriters successful, and then we talked about how to know when you're ready to change things up in your business and her secret for making a big impact with people. And it's something that we all should be doing more of. We also had a chance to talk about her experience in the Copywriter Accelerator, which is a little different from most others who go through the program because she brought a lot of experience along with her when she joined the program. And that's a good reminder to mention that the Copywriter Accelerator is open right now. This is probably the last time that we'll mention it until uh, December or January of next year. You can find out more about this business changing program and if it's a fit for you at thecopywriteraccelerator.com. Take a listen to what Ali says in this interview. Uh, I think she hits the nail on the head as to why this program has been so important for more than 300 copywriters who have used it to pivot or to start and grow their own successful copywriting businesses. And with that, let's hear what Ali had to share. I guess just jumping right back to when I started with copywriting, it was around like 2018. I found this copywriter named Claire Berry, and I was just fascinated by how witty and bold and strong her voice was online. And I saw that she was a copywriter and I was like, that sounds amazing. I love writing. And at the time I was just writing short stories on Facebook for fun. And people were like, you're a good writer. And I think that that was the boost I needed enough to figure out like, maybe I should do something with this. So I got into it. I just was taking these terrible clients left and right via Upwork or wherever I could find them until one day um, an agency, uh, a partner at an agency, at structured agency, Chase Diamond reached out to me and was like, hey, are you interested in joining my agency? We're looking for a copywriter. And I was like, sure. Uh, And he's like, well, I have this spec assignment I'd like you to try. And I was like, meh, okay, well, all right, fine, I'll do it. And so I did it. I had so much fun with it. It was for e-commerce email copy. And I was like, this is so much fun. I love this. And then I didn't hear back from him for like a week. And I was like all in my, I I had my hopes up. I was like, maybe this is like my chance to like stop dealing with terrible clients. I almost was like, thinking maybe copywriting is not for me. And so I just had all of this energy ready to give this agency and he he hadn't messaged me back. And so I sent him a message like, how dare you waste my time? (laughs) And that ended up actually propelling one of the best relationships that I could have ever made with that agency, with the partners. Um, And I just made so many beautiful connections along the way. And it really just skyrocketed Um, my career in copywriting from that. So jumping from just this freelancer copywriter to all of a sudden now I'm an agency copywriter. And within months, because of the expansion of this agency, I was promoted to a senior and then a lead. And then I was just the acting department head of this agency where I was overseeing over 120 brands and I was overseeing 15 copywriters. And it was just like a 
masterclass, um, super fast version, I guess, in the, in the course of three years of just learning how to lead, learning how to, um, optimize my skill. And yeah, that's, that's like my copywriting portion of that. Um, and then from there, I just started refining my skills and talents, understanding that I was somebody who really enjoyed the process of teaching other copywriters and coaching. And um, so I really started to lean into that more. And then that's where I decided to go out on my own and then figure out from there, like what kind of business owner did I want to be? Um, And that was right at the time that I joined the accelerator program where I had, I was still working at the agency, but I knew that I was going to make this transition into uh, being a business owner. And the accelerator was just so incredible of like helping me dive into exactly like what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. Help me refine like, and, and highlight like the aspect of my skills that had to do with copywriting and coaching. And, um, so it's all still kind of forming now, but I've now transitioned into empowering people who menstruate and becoming a coach for them, whether they are a copywriter or an entrepreneur. Um, the title would be a cycle sinking coach. Um, and that's just to help people biohack their bodies. So um, that's, I guess, the uh, the the whole explanation of like copywriter to um, uh, a, a cycle syncing coach. All right. So that's that's a big journey. And I'm yeah. actually amazed, like going from somebody who's picking up assignments on Upwork or, you know, freelancer to within a couple of years, like managing that many brands, that many copywriters. So uh, I love to talk about Two, two areas of that. One, how did you build your skills that quickly? And then there's a mindset issue that comes with a lot of that too. But let's start with skills and mm. we can come back and ask about mindset. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm like a firm believer that the hard skill of copywriting is the easy part. Um, maybe people will fight me on that, but I, I think copywriting has the principles, right? Like you can read cash advertising and like really fundamentally understand like what copywriting is. But I think that it's the soft skills that you have to develop along the way of being able to have interpersonal relationships, whether you're working with a team or whether you're working with um, clients one-on-one or how do you accept feedback? How do you remove your ego from that process? How do you continue to make yourself into a creative machine at times where sometimes that's especially in in, an agency setting? Um, And so a lot of those skills, I think, were already embedded in me through other experiences in my life. And I just had the empowerment and the encouragement within this agency to start kind of plucking those out of me and being like, hey, yeah, you're a great leader. Like, hey, you actually really understand how to speak to clients and how to kind of soften the energy in the room where maybe there's like a little bit of tension going on and just being able to like, uh, show up in in a way that was very disarming so that the creative process didn't feel so rigid. Um, and so I think it was a fast track into becoming that thing, but it was like a, a lifetime's buildup of all of these skills that I just hadn't really curated into one setting. Um, so it's kind of an interesting way that that happened, right? But um, I think that it was just one of those things where, you know, I'm a I'm a spiritual girly, so I will always say like divine timing and things like that. Um, but yeah, so it just, it rocket shipped from there based on like the hard skill that I developed with copywriting and then those soft skills. But 
I'll say one more thing with like the hard skill of copywriting. The the best way that I learned how to do that and how to get efficient as that it, at that is through like just writing and just continuing to write and then being in an agency setting, especially having those clients be able to like give you that continuous feedback, um, whether that's about like the marketing strategy that you're using or it's about the tone of voice that you're using and just continuously hearing that day in and day out, you're writing, you know, 10, 20 emails a day or whatever that looks like. And then you're continuously getting that feedback. It's just going to kind of start to become ingrained in you of how to get better and and what nuances to pay attention to. Um, so practice makes, I wouldn't say perfect, but I would say like practice makes you a good copywriter. I wonder what else we can do, what other hacks we can share, um, especially thinking about early on and you had that gig, you did the spec work for this mm-hmm. gig here back for a week. And then you, I think we glossed over this, but you emailed <laughs> the agency owner and said, how dare you, how dare <laughs> yeah. you ignore me? Can we just talk about that? Because I do think there's probably a lesson in there that we can all take away from that. Yeah. I, and I would say the main lesson is don't be afraid to be exactly who you are. Um, that's not to say everyone needs to go, how dare you? If that's not the person that you are, it, that's not going to match the energy that you're going to bring forward um, in a relationship. And and that boldness is what got me hired because um, the person that hired me wasn't actually Chase. It was Michaela. He trusted um, this girl named Michaela to actually vet me. And she was like, this is exactly the person that you need in this agency because you are growing. You need somebody who's going to be able to have these important um, and and straightforward conversations, not only with the team, but with the clients. And um, had I not responded in the way that I did, and it wasn't you know super abrasive either. It was like, you know, we had a very like productive conversation after I had like basically said that. Um, but that was what eventually got me the job, um, versus like me, you know, trying to lean into what I thought people wanted to hear from me. Um, so that's kind of, I think the main, the main takeaway from that is like, just be ridiculously yourself, um, because that's where you're going to find your strongest alignment in future opportunities. Yeah. And I would even add to that just on a basic level you followed up. Like I think follow-up is just a big part of it. Oftentimes that we all, and myself included, we just forget to even follow up uh, to to pop back into the inbox. So you did mention that uh, you had a moment during that time where you said, maybe copywriting isn't for me. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's really common. I hear it often um, among the community. And so what would you say to a copywriter or content writer who's thinking that right now or who's thought it recently. Um, Mm. Maybe it's not because they haven't heard back from a a prospect. Maybe it's just, there is, there's been some blow. What would you say to them? Uh, This one, I think for me, copywriting is about finding your lane and it doesn't necessarily even mean that you have to find a niche, right? I think a lane makes more sense because you can switch lanes at any point. Because people are versatile and malleable and, you know, maybe you have ADHD and like you, you, your interest, you're hyper fixated in something for a couple of months. And then all of a sudden you decide to pivot and you're like, you know what, I'm not into uh, wellness anymore. I want to talk about trains. I don't know. And so 
to understand that and to just go where your passions are and where you're interested in allows you to find alignment. Like I think the key word here is alignment in um, what you're doing. Because when I felt like maybe I shouldn't be a copywriter, I was working with these like clients that it, it was not, you know, definitely not dissing on B2B. There's amazing things about B2B, but I was working in B2B where my best talents were in B2C copy where I was I was speaking to consumers and I was speaking through a brand voice and like, you know, making poop jokes and like just letting my personality like really shine. That's where I was doing the good work and that clients were happy. Um, but at the time that I was like, maybe this isn't for me, I was just not landing gigs that spoke to me. Um, so it, I think that there has to be, and, and something I really loved in the accelerator was that there was so much intention into figuring out like, who, who are you? What do you want to be when it comes to being a copywriter? And like, how are you going to find that alignment into what you're doing and, and taking that time? Cause I think that we all move so quickly into like, trying to be something that we kind of forget the biggest, like most important thing, which is like, do you even like it? Um, I, I keep hearing, this is a message that keeps like, I keep seeing it in my f- social media feeds of like, when you're you, you know talking to somebody in that like dating phase, it's like, don't forget to ask yourself if you even like them, like don't fixate so much on if they like you. Um, and that translates so heavily into copy too. It's like, you know, do you even like your clients? <laughs> like, do, are you are you just so worried that they like you? Um, yeah, when, when that answer comes back, no, you're in trouble. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about the agency process uh, because a lot of freelancers don't have that kind of experience working in the agency, the back and forth, not just with the clients but also with the other people in the agency. What did the creative process look like where you worked? Assignment comes in, the agency gets to work. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it, it was sort of a collective effort. In the beginning, uh, the copywriter kind of took on a little bit of account management role, a little bit of marketing strategist, because naturally, like copywriters are marketers, right? Um, but as the agency grew, those those um, sectors got kind of um, separated and people started taking on different roles. But what it basically looked like was that an assignment came in, um, something that the agency ourselves would craft and curate on behalf of the client for like some sort of campaign calendar. Sometimes we collaborated with them if they were doing a launch or things like that. But a lot of that creative ideation came from us. And then we would develop a brief off of that. And the brief could be, I mean, we had briefs that range, like sometimes it had like a full fleshed out thing and, and, you know, you would have to kind of hit every point. And then sometimes we'd have a brief that was like, happy Easter. (laughs) And so I think that that was really great, um, especially if you are interested in developing your skills as a copywriter, because you got to learn how to do both. Like you got to know how to read through a brief and to be able to um, transcribe that into uh, copy, or you have to learn how to just take something that has no meat and put meat on it. Um, So that was just kind of up to the copywriter for, I think, and 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 still was up until I left is like you have ultimate creative direction here. And even so, like you can help the designer like with a vision. Like if you see something that like makes sense for like um a a, a running gif or like, hey, like let's incorporate this element or whatever, like you could do that. Um 
And so that gave a lot of space for the copywriter to not just think about the copy itself, but think more holistically about like, what is the message that you're trying to send? And more importantly, how are you communicating to the rest of your team and to your client of like what you see as your vision? Um, And when you're able to do that and to do that consistently, you become much more of a strategist, much more of a, of a creative, uh, of a creative strategist versus just like a copywriter. So there's so many layers when you work at an agency of like almost these like hidden skills that um, unless somebody's telling you that you're like, Hey, you're actually learning this right now. And this is really important in different ways. Uh, I had to give myself permission to be like, Oh yeah, uh, I am doing that. But um Anyway, that felt a little long-winded, but yeah. Yeah. So how do you do that and communicate your vision Mm -hmm. to your team or I think more applicable to copywriters listening? Like, how do I communicate my vision to my client or sell them and get that buy-in on this part of the project? Or maybe it's the final deliverable, or maybe it's the first milestone so that we can clearly communicate it. I think that's the hardest part. Yeah. I think the simpler, the better. Like sometimes like communicating a creative vision is really just about like, Hey, like maybe put this in the hero section and, and just like adding a little bit of context and then allowing like the breathing room for the creative, um, direction of the designer. And then they can follow up with you. It's really about like the collaboration piece of it and having that open space to be able to collaborate. Um, and with a, with a client too, like, I think it's important that right away that in the relationship that's established that you openly say like, Hey, this is going to be a back and forth, especially in the beginning. Like we're, we're going to like figure out what is the rhythm that we work best in. Um, and so the more that you put emphasis on collaboration and the simpler you make that message, um, it just, it kind of takes the, I'm always a big, like, you know, not that our egos should die per se, but like they they do need to step away from the room at times, which everybody needs that reminder, right? Like not just the creative, but the client too, who may just be like having a death grip on the brand voice. And you're like, this isn't the most important thing right now. Like the the cl- the audience needs to hear this certain message. Um, and so, yeah, that that's what I would say like fundamentally to understand is like the removal of that ego on all sides to communicate that message like, you know, very concisely, um, and to just keep that collaboration super, super open, um, and, and not like silo too much or else like that's where people's opinions start coming in that they don't necessarily even communicate and everyone starts to build that narrative and then that story in their head of like what's happening. I wonder if it's the same thing with the copywriters that you're working with. You know, you start supervising all of these copywriters doing mm-hmm. the work as you look mm-hmm. at the copywriters across the board, like what were the characteristics that made them successful? Those that were successful. Yeah, absolutely. And the, so the copywriters on the agency side that made them super successful was their ability to just take an idea and run with it and not put too many mental blocks on the process. Like I think a lot of times, especially as creatives, because we tie that ego so closely, we're afraid to just like say an idea in fear of like someone being like, well, that's dumb, but you, you have to be able to do that in order to, and and I feel like 90% a heads up for anyone listening. That's like, I'm scared to do that. Like 90% of the time I've ever like thrown out an idea like that they're like, I love that. Um, that's not to say that I love it every time. Like sometimes I'm like, well, maybe we, we could try this instead. 
but I've never flat out had somebody be like, that sucks. Um, so I think that's important for people to know is like, you have to be able to like, be bold in that. Um, and so the best copywriters that were there just understood principally, like you just got to go for it. Um, and that also like that flexibility of being able to, uh, just be willing to like run with nothing, um, and understand how to spin an idea out of that. Um, which I think kind of still comes back to the, the ability to be bold. It's really about unlocking that creativity within yourself. But how, how do we do that? You know, you mentioned being mm. neat on the idea earlier and I kind of, that caught my attention. It's like, well, what do we actually do if we break it down? And there's not a lot of context or information provided. It is mm-hmm. happy Easter. Is that what you said earlier? Oh my God. That's, it's, yeah. That's like, that was like a running joke at the agency. Like I would just be like, oh no, it's not another happy Easter. And it's just like the two words that were on the whole <laughs> brief. Right. So what if you get yeah. that, then what do you do specifically to take action and build Ooh. it? This is a good question. And through my conversations with the copywriters at that agency, everyone has a different process. And I know that's that doesn't seem like the best answer, but some people would just go on online and look up like current events that just had to do with Easter if they wanted to do something trending. Like they would kind of you take in the context of the brand, right? Like so if it's a brand that like has a really strong brand voice and they're very like active online and you see them like really relevant on socials, like they're probably going to want to do something a little bit trendy. Um, But if you have a brand that's like pretty static, pretty straightforward, like maybe you're going to want to do something a little bit more sentimental, but, and you're going to need to understand more of the fundamentals behind like Easter itself, you know? So I think it's about like understanding the brand that you're writing for and then being able to incorporate like in whatever way that you like to do it. Like some people like to just get a, a list of words and like just write down any word associated with Easter and then just kind of run off of that. And then maybe they'll see something and they'll be like, oh, I want to do that. Another big one is that that collaboration piece. So also, ooh, this is a big one. So the copywriters who had the best, like most impactful work at the agency had a really good relationship with the designer. And they would just gab. Like they would just get on a call and then just like BS the whole time. And but in like a really fun way, like they were having fun with it and they were like still on track with what they were doing. But it was like, all right, like, let's just talk about this, like, chicken nugget campaign really quick. And they would just, like, come up with these crazy ideas that ended up really working out so, so well. And it was also the copywriter's ability to just, like, turn it into this like, very entertaining, like, I think that's a key word, like, it, like entertaining piece um, that allowed, like, because you think about email, right? Um, and most people are probably like, mm, snooze. But we made some of the funniest, coolest, most interesting, weird emails that like, if you clicked on it, you'd be like, what is happening? Um, and that that was just like the best part anyway. So I know that was kind of a lot, but like for copywriters, like if you're trying to like tap into that creativity, you have to understand A, what works best for you. I think Steal Like an Artist um, by Austin Kleon is like a, a really great entry level into understanding how to like give yourself permission to be creative. Um, and then figuring out from there, like just being really introspective and being like, what kind of ways can I, um, be, be more creative. Um, and right now I'm reading the artist's way. Um, 
And I think that one's going to unlock a lot of good stuff for me too, because it's got like a lot of foundational principles in there. So um, if you'll have any spoiler alerts, I will take them, but yeah. Well, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe we, I should ask this question after you finish the artist's way, but so, mm-hmm. you know, in the agency where you have, you know, an art director, a designer, a creative group to bounce ideas around with, like that becomes a natural part of the process and it's really creative, but you've since left and you're now on your own. So how do you foster that same level of creativity in your work by yourself online, you know, in front of your laptop, whatever, without all of the fun agency surroundings? This is such a good question too. Um, mainly because I, I just don't think I've actually thought about it. So this will be the first time I'm vocalizing it, but like you have to, you have to create that sense of community for yourself because you still need the community, this hyper individuality. Um, and I grew up being very hyper individualistic and, and, and it doesn't serve you. Um, at least it didn't serve me. And so I knew that leaving the agency, I wasn't going to have, I wasn't going to be able to do all of this by myself. So I have my little community online of people that are also coaches or copywriters and we stay in touch with each other. We put something on the calendar once a month and we just kind of talk to each other. And it's this sense of community that allows you to keep continuing those conversations. And then the other side of that is in your personal life too, not to necessarily blend too much of like personal and professional life, but I think it's important when you incorporate real elements of your life that you're outside and doing um, that nurture, that creativity or those ideas for you um, that allow you to come up with a new angle in your business. Maybe you just have like this Like I have my neighbor who's 81, his name is Ed and he has a garden and we both love philosophy and we've just been like talking nonstop all summer and he's given me so much inspiration for my business. And like, it's those type of connections that have allowed me to, I think, be much more authentic in my approach as a, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, um, that are just as important, if not more important than like the types of relationships that you develop online and in a setting where it's like somebody else's business and like the culture that they create for you and that you like are a part of. Um, So yeah, I would say fostering your own community and that if you do that, it will be like that much more impactful because it's yours. I'm wondering what made the switch for you. If you're open to sharing, you mentioned Mm. that you were hyper individualistic and then Mm. You're clearly community focused. Like, what was that switch for you? Was there a moment or was it a gradual shift for you? I think it was gradual. I think it was, I had, um, you know, everything always roots to childhood trauma. Am I right? Um, But when you are younger and you don't really have reliability to kind of lean on others, like you sort of think, well, I have to do this all myself. And if I don't do this all myself, then I'm a failure. Like that. Like if, if I can't do this all by myself and I've got to lean on others, like it, I didn't really, it wasn't really me, um, all tied to the ego. Like, it's all about like, how are you sit, like identifying yourself as an individual and what type of importance are you putting on that? And are you actually through that hyper individuality blocking your best potential in the world? Because you think that you have to be so important to be that like one thing that changes the world. Like, and once I got rid of that, um, which I think was a slow process through my twenties of just like lots of, um, ego deaths and, and spiritual books and, and, and just self-development things that I learned over time. And then being able to incorporate that 
into like when, you know, working at the agency and realizing like, I don't have to be the thing. Um, that sort of started to change. And then once I think the biggest part for me was understanding my leadership qualities and like my ability to make an impact, um, with coaching, uh, whether I'm coaching or not, it's the, my leadership capabilities for, and, and the influence that I have for people in my life. I like recognize that about me now. And I know that the more that I lean on others, like the bigger impact I will have on more people. Um, so I think that that's kind of like the, the unearthing is like, once you realize you, you work with community, like you will make a bigger impact than you could have ever realized. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So you, you have this amazing job. You're, you know, managing all of these brands, you're doing this killer work and then you decide it's time to do something different. Walk us through, like, what was the signal that you're like, you're thinking, yeah, it's time. I need to move on. It's time to pivot. Yeah. Um, it, that was a slow build too. There was definitely like the, the agency was in hyper growth mode. We always knew that. Um, I think it grew a lot faster than any of us ever realized. And so we were just on that rocket ship to the moon for so long that I, I, I was so buried into that. Um, and once I kind of popped my head out, I was like, huh, like maybe I want to pivot. I was starting to see people around me, you know, start to move on and do other things. And I was like, is this what I want to keep doing? So there was kind of like a, a question of that there. And the more that the agency grew and the more I grew, we were um, a classic in a relationship. We grew apart. Um, so I just started realizing like there were things that I wanted that were not in alignment with the what what the agency wanted, which is obviously perfectly fine. And and realizing that like I am not their business, like I am my business, and I need to mind my own business in order to like feel that sense of fulfillment. Um, and so for some people like entrepreneurial journeys and like being a business owner is not for them and it doesn't give them that fulfillment. But like, I had to like step into that, into that power for myself. And, um, so basically just realizing that I wanted something of impact that was more in alignment with my vision. And that once that kind of clicked for me, I, I started cooking on that. And that's where I joined the accelerator where I wasn't quite removed from the agency. And I didn't, I didn't have like that game plan yet. Um, but then there was like a bigger shift within that agency that was going to define a lot of some future events going on there. And I realized like I was at the cliff, like, and I was, and, and like, I had a choice, like I could, I could just jump off the cliff and see what happens. Or I could just sort of like walk to the side. And just kind of observe it for a while. And I knew that that was going to waste both of our times, uh, both at the agency and mine. Um, so I just decided to to take a jump. And um, and it was also at a time where I was like leaving a, a long-term relationship. And so there was just massive, massive movements all at the same time. And uh, it was just that sense of like the courage to make a big change and trust that I was going to be caught when I, when I made that jump and it fully worked out for me in that way. All right. Well, let's, I'm wondering if the accelerator is, was the cliff or were we at the bottom of the cliff or were we like the parachute or were we just like with you jumping? Mm. <laughs> and I, I'm curious, I know this is self-serving, but like, how did the accelerator help you given what you were looking for and what you needed at the time? Yeah. Oh, that's cool to like mesh y'all into that metaphor, I think like 
it was like me kind of going up to that cliff. Like I could just feel that going up and, and y'all being like walking with me there. And then knowing that like y'all were jumping with me. Um, it was, it was like, a you know, um, if you're, if all your friends jump off the bridge, would you too? And like, it was in the case. Yeah. Yeah. We're all just going to like jump off together. And that's what it felt like. I just felt like I had a sense of, um, and that's what that community is, right? Like, I think that when I was speaking to, like, I realized the hyper-individualistic way was like not the way to go and that community was going to empower me. Like, that's why I joined the accelerators. Cause I knew that if I wanted to make a big impact and I wanted to keep fostering, like, important connections and and really grow something that I needed to commit to that. And and doing the accelerator was my commitment to myself and to the idea of making that big impact. Um, and so y'all, y'all jumping with me allowed me to not feel alone in that process, like that I that I was going to be okay. And that I had people to ask questions to and, and, and to, and stories to share with others and then be like, oh my gosh, the same thing happened to me or, um, whatever that was along with like that, the community piece is huge. Um, but also y'all had the tools to help me identify certain areas that I knew that I was kind of lacking or, or not fully rounded out in, which was super important to like show up to my business, like in a, in a really holistic way. Yeah, one of the things that I, th- I think is really interesting, Ali, a-, a lot of people come to the accelerator relatively new. You know, they've worked with a few clients or, you know, they've just started freelancing, but you've had a ton of experience going in. And, uh, you know, everybody brings their experience, you know, whatever you have to it. But how would you say um, the accelerator? Um, up, because again, it, it's sort of intended for people at different stages of their business, but how did it help you specifically, you know, where you probably could have gone and started a business on your own and done pretty good? Um, it's maybe a, a weird question or a hard question to answer, but uh, I'm just curious on your perspective there. No, I, I think that's a great question um, because it, it just goes to show that the like something like the accelerator can be for anybody at any stage in their in their business and for me i think it was more of that like i i had all of the i had all the hard and soft skills required to be somebody who can utilize their skill and make good money doing it um but a lot of the mindset and the and the sense of direction and sort of that mentorship was what I lacked. And I think when anybody thinks about like personal development, whether you're like hiring a coach or you're doing something like there is that investment you have to make into yourself to be able to like be that well-rounded business owner. And so there, yes, I think I absolutely could have um, done it without the accelerator. Um, and I probably just would have been in my head a lot Um kind of like going to therapy, like, sure, maybe I could wing it without therapy, but there's a lot that I get out of therapy that allows me to not feel so alone or to comb through my thoughts in a really healthy way. Um, And I think it's the same thing for your business. Like if you're able to um, work through some of the things in your business where you're like, oh, I don't have to spend two months on a website 
Like I can, you know, do something in this amount of time. And here are these people that have these resources and here are these people that have done it before and that can kind of help me through. It's like just going from A to B instead of like running all over the alphabet just to get to B like, and being like, that, that felt really unnecessary. (laughs) Um, which is something for me that I personally knew that I needed is like that accountability and that straightforward direction. Okay. I'll see if this question comes out clearly, (laughs) but I'm wondering about the next pivot in your business, the most recent pivot into coaching. And can you answer it in terms of the questions you shared earlier? You know, do I even like it? So I wonder if there's specific examples that you could share as you were thinking through that process of moving into uh, coaching. And Mm. yeah, I think I'll stop there with the question. That's the question. Yeah, cool. Um, So do I even like it in the terms of like copywriting? And then how did I decide to make that shift over into coaching? If that was a question that popped up, Mm -hmm. you know, subconsciously or consciously Mm -hmm. as you were making that decision, maybe there was Mm -hmm. another question that helped guide you from, I'm a copywriter. This is what I do to, okay, I'm going into this, this niche. I'm going to be coaching. Um, I'm going to be working with people in different ways in a different area. What helped you find your way? I think I've been slowly inching towards the coaching space for so long, like where I was that lead copywriter at the agency. And then I was the head coach at a copywriting program. And I was overseeing um, 200 students there. And the more I've just been like leaning into the things that I'm in alignment for that I love to do, the closer I keep getting to coaching. And then I have this other element of my interests and that I've spoken to at e-commerce events and things like that at at women's events about um, like menstruation and how that impacts um, women and people who menstruate in in business. Um, And I just started to fuse those two ideas together. And so I think it's just been like, the more that I lean into who I am, the more I kind of like start to have these little ideas that come up. And so for me, it's like not even a question of anymore of if I like copywriting because I genuinely love copywriting. And I love that with copywriting, I can take it anywhere with me. It's this like thing that will never leave me. Like anything that I do, I I have that element of copywriting. I will always have that lens um, and I love that I'm going to be able to be able to do that um, in my own business. But also, if I ever want to tack on some sort of digital product for people in my coaching business, of like, if you know, I want to help people ditch their their nine to fives, um, that I can also help them learn a hard skill that will allow them to do that, not just in the form of like biohacking their bodies or whatever, but like it can be kind of like multifaceted. So I feel like there's just a new way of copywriting that I'm leaning into and that I'm getting excited about. Um, and so it's more of just this feeling of like where the impact and and I can feel in my chest is like where I need to go. That's where I go. And I can kind of speak to intuition um, at some point or, or or whatever, but I feel like now in my life, I lean into my intuition a lot. Like there isn't really this huge, like logical and intellectual process that's happening. It's more of this, like, I feel good. Like, let me keep leaning into this space more. I don't necessarily want to lose 
this thread. So I, I, well, yeah. I'm making a mental note here to come back to intuition. But before we, you know, while we're still sort of closely talking about uh, the accelerator, one of the threads mm-hmm. that I sort of feel through knowing you from what you've been talking about today is this importance of community to you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've created your own communities, you're, you're a super participant in communities. And Obviously, in the accelerator, one of the things we try to do is help everybody, you know, start to build their own networks and foster a community there. So would you just share your experience with that part of the accelerator, the community part briefly, and then we can come back to uh, intuition and and moving forward with that? Yeah, um, I, I love I love the fostering of community because it's sometimes just so silly. Like, I think a lot of the times we like, overcomplicate concepts in our head of like what that means, like fostering community. Like, what is that? Like, it's this big mysterious thing, but it's like what it boils down to uh, is like small things that are intentional, that show your personality and that are making connections with people. And the, the one that I'm thinking of right now is when I made an emoji for Rob that was a Coke Zero. And it's like, then people got to respond like by hitting the Coke Zero reaction, which I just think is hilarious. Like, and and it's like just a way to show that like, hey, I did this thing based on something I know about you. And I know that you would think it's funny. And like, just little things like that where you can incorporate it into a moment and then people get to follow along. And a- another way that I did that in um, the student program that I did for the, the copywriting program uh, was when I would have people confirm whether they were coming to the coaching call, I would say, hit me with a croissant. And like everyone just started like, and it's just like hundreds of students, right? So they're, they're all like... M- croissant emojiing everything and then new students come in and they're like what's this croissant like and and everyone's kind of like curious and a little confused and entertained and um that's just my personal way of connecting with people online everyone's got their own different approach right? like some people um just like to be very educational and like to tell you all kinds of things that they know which i think is amazing um so it's about figuring out what what are the things about you that you love about yourself that you can like inject into whatever you're doing? Because the people that are meant for you will see that and they'll love it. And like, you'll build like connection from there. You'll find your people, even within a uh, a community setting where you'll probably find your like two or three people that you're just like, oh my gosh, these are my people, which I totally found in the accelerator, like, and that we still talk and are really close to, um, to this day where like the, these are people I consider my friends. Um, and that, you know, at some point we're going to have to do a meetup. So, um, so yeah, just, just showing up authentically and finding creative ways to do that online is like absolutely how you foster that community. Just make sure you invite us when you meet up with each oh, other. Oh, a thousand Please. percent. Yeah. <laughs> a little East Coast meetup. Yes. Okay. Uh, biohacking our bodies. I'm interested. I want to biohack. So any uh, advice? I know we can't go too deep into this in the time we have remaining, but what should I be thinking about in terms of my cycle? And yeah, like what are some Love starting it. points, I guess, for us? Yes. And I will preface this by saying anything I don't get to in this, I have like a little free masterclass that when I share my socials, like you can just pop right on over and just get the, the, a bigger breakdown, if you will. Um, but biohacking your body for people who menstruate is all about just recognizing that, um, people who menstruate have a second 
um, and more important biological clock in their bodies that's operating at all times. And it's not on a 24 hour cycle like the circadian rhythm is, but it's on a 28 to 35 day cycle where your hormones, like your luteinizing hormone, follicular stimulating hormone, your testosterone, your estrogen, progesterone, like they're all doing different things at different times. They're making, they're doing a little dancey dance. And they're doing very different things in different parts of your body, which means that instead of this 24 hour cycle that, that men have for their bodies, where, you know, they have higher energy in the day and that dissipates, um, throughout the day is that, um, people who menstruate, they have fluctuations throughout a 28 to 35 day period. So to understand that and to be able to optimize that, um, will work so much better for you, not only in your life in general, but in your business, because you'll know when to go hard into marketing. You'll know when to do, uh, like if there's like a big meeting to schedule that in your ovulation phase, where you're going to have that high testosterone, high execution level, like you're going to be on your game. Um, that's going to be most efficient for you. And so for people who menstruate to understand that not only their bodies work like that, but how do I even incorporate my business into that to like make it the best business for me um, is super, super empowering and also highly effective because it's not to say that in certain phases that you are less, but rather in the times that you are optimized to be your best, like you're going to be, you know, 10, 20 X, like what you thought you could be because you know when to execute on certain things or when to um, wrap up in certain areas. But if you want that full breakdown, like what are these phases she's talking about or um, what specifically do I need to be doing uh, in in those certain phases when it pertains to work, that's what that masterclass covers. And I share some stats. I I get you all hype for uh, whatever's going on in cycle singing. So if you're a person who menstruates, I highly recommend it. Um, it's going to be a total game changer, whether you have a business or not. So so Ali, I, I do want to come back to this idea of intuition, which obviously is playing mm. into a lot of the decision-making you have. But uh, I think a lot of people would be critical of the idea that if it feels good, just do it, right? And mm-hmm. and maybe you know, it's like, well, there are, there are some shoulds in our lives now Mm -hmm. and there's negatives to the shoulds too. So Mm -hmm. talk about that juxtaposition and how you navigate that. And how do you know that, you know, when you're feeling it, yeah, this is definitely something you want to step into. Cause I don't know, at least with my intuition, sometimes I'm feeling it and it doesn't work out all that well. Yeah. Um, and Rob, I think that's such a good and important thing that you just said, which is that your intuition is not always going to be right. But I think honoring your intuition allows you to build the self-confidence required in order to listen to it in the first place. I mean, I think accepting the lack of control there is really important because, um, and and this is spoke, intuition is spoken to in many different contexts. I know in human design, it talks about this, um, you know, like Kundalini meditation, like tries to empower you through your intuition. It's about this like gut reaction that allows you to be in sync with yourself and in alignment with yourself. Um, Because accepting the fact that you are a flawed person and that you're an earthly human being uh, is important in the process of of figuring out like, what are you trying to achieve? And are you trying to achieve it through perfection? Are you trying to find this foolproof way to live your life? Or are you trying to actually develop and learn lessons along the way, whether you're thinking it's karmic or whether you're thinking um, that it's something more um, practical, but like, it's, it's about like living your life in a, 
accordance to how you feel that something is going for you, which I think a lot of the times we tend to, in our society, ignore um, because like feelings tend to have this like sort of taboo um, relation. And and and, and, and there's like a, a ton of different rabbit holes I could go down with that. But what I will say is just that I always, because I was a philosophy major and I, I, I always thought very logically the more I leaned into logic and I didn't have this balance of, well, what actually feels good to me? I actually was using flawed logic to get me where I needed to go. And I was making decisions that were more out of alignment with who I was and therefore like working with crappy clients or like choosing things for me that didn't serve me or staying in a relationship that didn't serve me versus when I just took a step back and I said, how do you, Allie, how do you feel right now? I'm like, I kind of feel like garbage. (laughs) And then once I realized that I could be like, okay, well, what can I do to not feel like that? Um, And I would just kind of try things or, or, you know, at times absolutely use that logic to get you somewhere else. But, um, ultimately that intuition is what led me to the best decisions of my life, which was just leaning into things that made me genuinely feel good. Oh man. I want to hear so many just like specific examples of that coming. Mm. I know we're also, um, running out of time with you. So if you think of anything that you can share, you know, in a minute or so, like a specific example of, I was trying to use flawed logic and it, well, you mentioned like bad client, mm-hmm. but then I switched to intuition and then I got this. I don't know if, if anything pops into your, your head with like a specific example. Yeah. I think, I think a big one, maybe a, a copywriting example would be like, I, was using this logic that if I worked in B2B, because that's where like the money was that I would, you know, see X amount of results and, oh, well, you know, copywriting is just this hard skill, which I have said, like, and logically, yes, it is this hard skill that like principally, like all the things are there. And I thought, okay, well, I'm smart. I, which I am, and I can, I can learn B2B and I can do that, which I can, but I was hitting a level of resistance in my body where I was like, I don't want to do this. Um, And, but I would continue to lean into it and continue to do it. And up until the point, a client gave me this feedback and was like, you're terrible at this. Like, this is not it. Like, and he literally said, you don't need to be doing B2B copywriting. Should he have said that? Absolutely not. Like, I think that like, that was some really rude feedback, but like, it it just was so clear to me that like whatever I was trying to like do in my head was not working. And when I, and then the direct example of Chase sending me this message, I had so much fun writing this copy. I even like made a little graphic. I, I remember the example I used was like a, like I said, like it was for an abandoned cart and I did like, you forget to click man. And it was like Cheech and Chong. Like it, like I just had fun. Like, and I was like, this, this feels good. Like this is copywriting to me. Like I'm having a great time. And then, so when he didn't message me back, I was devastated. I was like, how dare you? I had so much fun. And then I leaned into that more. And so it was like, that's, I think the direct example is like, the more I tried to like intellectualize and be logical and say like, this is the direction I need to go because this is what's practical for my business. Like I, it was just, I was not having a good time. And then when I did do something fun, it actually led into something incredible. Um, 
So that's, I would say like the, the big ex- example um, that actually served me really well. And I think what's important to say too, and, and there's probably different um, rabbit holes to go down is that there is no logic without understanding emotion um, and that there's a lot of crossover in between those. And I think that there can be a couple of fun places people can take that um, if they're curious. Ali, this has been uh, a great conversation and I so appreciate you sharing so many things about your pathway and your business and what you're doing. If people want to connect with you, if they want to check out your, your workshop, your freebie, where should they go and what should they do? So you can absolutely follow me on either TikTok or Instagram at unlock your autonomy. And on TikTok, that's where I talk about, you know, whether it's copywriting, cycle syncing, et cetera. I just kind of do anything on there. I talk about sobriety. I I just go because, you know, TikTok that you just get raw and vulnerable on there. (laughs) Um, And then on Instagram, it's more of like treating it like I was very inspired by Kira's uh, Instagram and sort of treating it like a little bit of like a landing page right now. Um, but that one's kind of newer and I am just kind of sharing the, the highlights of like, what is cycle syncing? If you're wanting just like that quick breakdown and, um, both have links to where you can sign up to a newsletter where you'll get instant access to the free masterclass. So that's where you can find me. Amazing. Yeah. You're amazing. We could hang out with you all day, every day. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for all the wisdom you're sharing with us. It's just so exciting to watch you move through the business world and through your own world and navigate all of this. It's really cool. So thank you. Appreciate y'all. That's the end of our interview with Ali Rector. I just want to expand on a couple of the ideas that we talked about during the interview and hopefully give you even a little more to think about as you apply her advice and thoughts into your business and life. I I, want to go back to one of the very first things that we were talking about, which is copywriting, hard skills versus soft skills. And I think this is related to an idea that comes up a lot in the business. We talk about it. We definitely teach about this in the Copywriter Accelerator and in the Copywriter Underground, but that is that most of us become copywriters and start our own businesses because we're good at writing. We're good at the technical skill of writing, but there's all these other skills that are required to be successful at it. And, uh, you know, as Ali mentioned, you know, the hard skills of copywriting aren't that hard to learn. You know, you can read a few books, you can listen to a podcast like this one, or you can take a course or two and get most of those skills. Obviously you get better if you practice, but you get that stuff and it doesn't change all that much, but the soft skills that are required, being able to pitch your business, being able to understand what problems clients have and how you can help address them, thinking strategically about the problems that you're asked or hired to solve. Uh, And then there are other business skills as well. So, you know, it's not just hard skills of copywriting and soft skills of copywriting, but it's really there's hard business skills and there's soft business skills. And you need both to be successful as a copywriter. You can't just show up as a great writer and expect everything in your business to go well because it it doesn't work like that. Uh, There are maybe one or two exceptions because they're so good, but the rest of us need to figure out this important business stuff. And, you know, as we've mentioned before, we do cover that in the Copywriter Accelerator and we, we show people how to do that. Also, Ali mentioned the importance of feedback for skill development when she was in her agency situation and being able to get that feedback from clients. 
there's really three different kinds of feedback that we can get as copywriter. One is from our clients, but we also can get feedback from peers and from mentors. Uh, and of those three, client feedback is actually not the best feedback. Yeah, it's it's good to get feedback on, am I connecting with your brand voice? Uh, you know, have we talked about the product or the service or the offer in a way that makes sense? Like that feedback can come from clients, but when it comes to strategy, marketing strategy, copy strategy, you'll probably get more from peers and mentors. And so making sure that you build into your process the opportunity to get all kinds of feedback for your skill development. Yes, get it from your clients, but also get it from peers, other copywriters, other marketers who are doing similar things and can take a look at your copy, you, that you can have a conversation about your process or your framework with and get feedback on that. And then also having mentors or coaches who can point out things that you might be completely blind to, that you might be missing, or different ways to do things, different tools that uh, you might want to try out, or different processes, uh, ways of doing things. Clients, yes. Peers, yes. Mentors, yes. It's important to get feedback from all three different uh, audiences. We also talked a bit about how to be creative on your own. So uh, I want to refer you back to a, a recent episode that we recorded this past spring with Dave Harland. It's episode number 339. Uh, you know, as we were talking about things like word associations and different things that you want to, you know, processes that help you be more creative. Dave actually outlined a, a really good process for at least getting the dumb ideas out of your head so that you can start working on the good ideas. Uh, it's kind of a four square process that he outlined. So you definitely want to go back and listen to episode 339 to hear what he shared about that. Uh, and I also think that it's really important to underline this idea that Ali mentioned that the best copywriters actually have a really good relationship with the designer, with the art director. This goes back to the way that advertising agencies have been set up since the 1950s when people like uh, David Ogilvie were putting copywriters in the same office as a an art director and they had to work together they had to they were there to bounce ideas off of each other and to make each other better and that goes back to this idea of the community and how do we find that community how do we find that kind of feedback that kind of partnership in order to improve our own thinking our own headlines ideas the leads that we start with uh, all of that stuff is better if we have a relationship. And it does not need to be an art director or a designer. It could be another copywriter. It could be like we were talking about peers, mentors earlier. But if you really want to be creative, you can't do it on your own, which is a little ironic. So that was our question is how do you do this when you are in your office working alone or sitting at the kitchen table working alone or you know wherever you do that work in the coffee shop at the library? you need to be able to build in some of these opportunities to um, bring in ideas and thoughts and, and uh, insights from other people. Finally, uh, Ali mentioned, she said specifically one line that I, I wrote down. Uh, I love this. And that was, you know, as we were talking about how she knew when it was time to move on from her agency job, she said, I am not their business. I am my business. And I think each one of us ought to have this, you know, needle pointed on the cushion on the couch or printed as a sign in our offices or maybe a, as the desktop 
background on our laptops. Uh, we are not our clients' businesses. Yes, we do help our clients build amazing businesses and do amazing things in their businesses, but what we are building for them are assets that they own and usually we don't. But we are building our own business. I am my business. You are your business. And what we do for our clients needs to help build our businesses too. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't go work at an agency or that you shouldn't work in-house as a copywriter. Those are great opportunities, especially for learning, for making connections, building networks, uh, you know, doing all of those things. But ultimately, you and your brand and your business, you need to be responsible for that, whether that's investing in your own learning, whether that's creating a business or a side hustle that you can find your own clients and work with them and do your own thing. Uh, whether it's taking what you're earning and starting to build out other means of income so that you're not just reliant on a, a job or reliant on a particular client. You need to be thinking about your business as a business owner and not just as a copywriter. And, you know, as you do that, maybe that is the inspiration that you need to, you know, jump into something different. Maybe it's to work on your own, or maybe it's time to take your brand and, and, you know, hitch it to somebody else's vehicle, work in-house for a while, build your your school your skill set, your network, whatever it is, in order to make your own personal brand that much stronger. You're not their business, you are your business. I, I love that thinking. I want to thank Ali Rector for joining us to chat about her business, copywriting, coaching, and so much more. You should definitely connect with her. Uh, she shared her TikTok and Instagram handle. That's Unlock Your Autonomy. And you can find her in both of those places. And Allie loves to connect and, and get to know people. So definitely go ahead and do that. And this is your final notice that the Copywriter Accelerator is open for new members this week. We get started on the content in less than seven days. So if you want to jump in now, uh, this is the chance. Uh, but you got to do it. You got to go to the copywriteraccelerator.com today or by Friday in order to do that. And then we can work with you to grow your business, to find better and higher paying clients. And so that you can show up in the world with a framework, with the authority, with a brand that really stands out. And in this new world of AI and growing competition, standing out is more important than ever. Well, that's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave uh, your review of the show. And don't miss our other podcast at AI for Creative Entrepreneurs. Uh, com. You can also watch that on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to us today, and we'll see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better, copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club.